Uh, I don't know if all of you know that uh, there's a presidential election going on. Way to ruin a great service, Kevin. Uh, so I know, that I know you well enough uh, to know that you are a congregation that frets about the future sometimes. And you are a congregation that can get wound up and spun up over things, okay? I, I say that um, because I know you. Um, I, I want to tell you that uh, it's easy to get spun up and wound up about these things as we consider our world that we're in. And I know that um, you might look at the future and say, what are we going to do? What, what, what can we do? And uh, it's, it's somewhat frustrating, in my own heart as well, in my own heart as well. What have we been studying? What book? Book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And Matthew's talking about uh, a different kingdom, a different kingdom with a different king, with a different king, and a kingdom that uh, we can be a part of and it's different it's not like the kingdom uh, down here and so we're we're grateful and we're happy and we're excited because we have a new king and a new kingdom and yet uh, we look at uh, the place where we're spending some time down here and we go oh no what's going to happen I want to tell you that now is our time to cry out to the Lord Uh, now is our time to be reminded that we do have a new king uh, that we may be spending time down here, but this is not our home. This is not our home. Uh, this is a place where we're spending time while we wait, while we uh, look forward to being with Him forever. And so I wanted to lead us as a church uh, in just praying for the future, uh, future of the country that we live in, as well as uh, the election that is to come, and in hopes of uh, to redirect us to Godward. Uh, that we would uh, consider these things not as desperate, but that we would uh, consider these things prayerfully uh, before the Lord. So please join with me in prayer uh, as we lift up uh, ourselves and our country um, to the Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for the grace of the gospel that brings us into a new relationship with you and that Uh, We live as strangers down here. We live as people who are just passing through, and we're grateful for that. Um, God, we uh, are thankful for this new kingdom, this different kingdom. We're grateful that you are not like other kings and presidents. Uh, We're grateful for the trust that we can have in you. God, we ask that you would cause us to trust you more, that we would not put our hopes in dates and times and places of the future, not in finances or economies or, or governors or senators or congressmen and, uh, and presidents. Lord, we, we ask that you would help us uh, to fix our eyes on you and trust in you and you alone. God, may we trust in you because you're a good father and you care for us. Uh, you love us and you know what's best for us. Uh, we trust you. God, help us to trust you because we know you have a plan and that you're working that plan out according to your will and your desires. God, we ask uh, that you would be merciful to us. We realize that we don't deserve your favor, and yet we ask for your blessing. 
And God, we ask that you would even use this election to draw others to yourselves, to yourself, and that we would be people, a people, a church here in this place uh, that would be uh, one that shares the gospel, the gospel that can be trusted and the gospel that will never change the gospel that we can build our lives and not just our lives but our eternities upon. God, thank you uh, for this country. Thank you for our church. Uh, Help us to trust you in the days ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to pray. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to tell you that I, I heard in seminary uh, th- this phrase, it, it, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there will be a fog in the pew. Okay? There was more than a mist this week, and so I want to push off our study in the book of Matthew. Uh, in the weeks ahead, we're going to be talking about end times events in the book of Matthew, and I didn't know how to handle it, so I punted. Okay? Football season, right? I punted, and so sorry about that. Uh, just happens, okay. The book of First Peter uh, starts out talking about it. Even as I prayed, I was thinking about it. It talks about the elect, uh, the people that God has drawn to Himself, the people that He has singled out and, and brought to Himself and part of His family. He calls them the elect, but he also calls them strangers, strangers. Now, uh, you know, I grew up in the era where, you know, you had, I think it was Patch the Pony or something like that. And uh, there was all this talk with when you were little kids, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to strangers. And the idea of a stranger in the scriptures, First Peter is really those people who don't belong. And not that they don't belong in the sense that they're dangerous, but that they're different. They're different. And there's a realized difference in the midst of living. And, and what it is, it's a, it's a Christian living in a world that's not Christian. It's a believer uh, living amongst people that don't believe. And it's, so, uh, it's such a big difference... It's such a big difference that Peter says, I want to call you what you are, alien or a stranger, someone who uh, is just passing through. And so this morning, let's keep that in mind as we look at this passage, this great passage. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. God's word says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfailing, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise 
and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not uh, now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning as we look at it. We ask that this would be um, a helpful time, a helpful time that we would apply your word to our hearts, that you would, uh, through your spirit, impress this upon us, that we might be changed and equipped for the week ahead and even the days ahead. God, uh, I know there's much going on in our congregation, that people are burdened with many things. I pray that this would be a comfort to them. And I pray this would be reorienting to, to those of us who have connected ourselves to this world that's perishing. God, that we would redirect and uh, connect with you. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, this passage uh, could be titled, A Reason to Praise God Today. But with this uh, one qualifier, if you've trusted in Christ. If you trusted in Christ, there's a reason to praise God today. If you haven't trusted in Christ, if He is not the one you trust in, uh, don't worry, there's something here for you as well. If you haven't trusted in Him, there's a reason to trust Him today. There's a reason to make this the first day. To make this the, the day where you take your life and all that you are and all your control that you think you have and hand it over to the Lord and say, take the mess of life that I have uh, begun and the mess that I have made and I now trust in you for the future. So you look at this passage this morning. It starts out, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's an excited, it's a, a, a placing praise on God the Father. There's a purpose for this because of what he's going to say, but he starts out with praise of what God has done. And he makes this distinction between uh, God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, but it's the father's plan it's the father that deserves the praise for what the son has done because of the plan working out that jesus what he did was according to the father's plan and so as we look at this passage we see there's reason to praise god today because of what he has done in his son he could say it this way there's reason to praise him because of his plan and his gift. I want you to know that uh, God had a plan for salvation. It wasn't something that he just couldn't figure out any other way, but it was his plan to send his son Jesus. You can look back to the book of Genesis, even the first couple of chapters, and you will see that the plan was already set in motion. And as you consider this this morning to say, uh, I don't know where this world is going, you, you want to say this, my plans maybe not are working out. You know, they're, they're not coming together. Uh, I, I had this great idea of what my life would be, and that's not what's happening right now. 
your plan may not be coming together, but know this, that God's plan is coming together. That His plan was to send His Son, Jesus, and that's why we should praise Him today, that God had a plan. And it wasn't just that He had a plan, He had a gift within that plan, and it was His Son, Jesus. I, I know that sounds weird to talk of a man, of a son, of the most valuable son ever, the, the son of infinite worth, to be the gift. But I want to tell you, He was, because He was sacrificed on our behalf. And so we praise Him today. We praise the Father for the gift that He has given to us, the plan which He is working out. As we consider this first section, it's our great salvation. And I say it's ours, uh, our great salvation, because uh, we got it. We got it uh, through what God had planned, His Son Jesus. If we are believers in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, you've got great salvation. And he wants to describe the benefits of that. He wants to describe really the riches of that this morning. As we look at this passage, remember, this is to God's elect, the strangers, the people who are living in the midst. And I want to tell you that as we consider ourselves strangers in the land here, uh, strangers, and not everyone's here this morning, right? Not every. And it wasn't because we didn't have more seats, you know. If, if all of Tehachapi would want to come, we'd build a bigger building. Or we'd have more services. Or we'd do something. We'd get a tent or something like that, okay. Um, with heaters, with heaters. Winter's coming. Uh, we would do it, but uh, you know why there's not more people here? Because they didn't want to come. They didn't want to come. And why didn't they want to come? Because they didn't think they needed it. And why didn't they? Because they thought they had more important stuff to do. And maybe in their mind they did. And so we realize we're doing somewhat of an odd thing here this morning. But it's not odd because of the plan of God and the gift of His Son. As we look at this, He he starts to describe some of the details or uh, unpack what this salvation is. And He he says in verse 3, According to His great mercy... He, right away, he says, why do you praise God? Because of his great mercy to us. And I want you, when you hear that word mercy, to say, I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve what I got. Uh, That's what salvation is. I, I know we so quickly, we so quickly lean over and we say, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I, I try to live a good life. I, I did this, I gave this, I, I, you know, taught Sunday school, I, you know, I didn't chew tobacco when I was growing up or anything like that. Um, some of you are going, well, maybe I chewed a little bit, but uh, um, I, in your mind, you're saying, you're trying to find something that, that would say to yourself that you could comfort yourself and say, well, I really wasn't that bad. I want to tell you, as Peter wrote this, to people who had been saved, he didn't say, because you were so great, praise God. He said, because of his great mercy, and mercy in itself is great, but he, he said great as well, right? Because his great mercy, right? It was it's amazing, it's amazing that God would love you so much 
that he would, as part of his plan, he would send his son to die on your behalf. Forgive me for saying it. You weren't worth it. I wasn't worth it. I, I was not worth it. And yet he, he grants this as part of his plan and his gift. And so the only response, even as we have sung, is praise God. He deserves the credit because it, all that we get is because of his great mercy. And what happened because of his great mercy? It says this, that he caused us to be born again. He caused us to be born again. Even the way it's worded shows that it was not your work, but his work. Um, how do you cause yourself to be born again? Yeah, that doesn't work, does it? In fact, uh, Ephesians, Colossians t tell us that we are dead, dead in our sins. And when you read that word dead, you want to think to yourself, what does a dead thing do? Or, or, or what can a dead thing do? And the answer is nothing. You know, you, you can't do anything. There's nothing that can be done. And so as we look at this, the reason that praise goes to God is for our great salvation. Why? Because He caused us to be born again. He changed us from that which is dead to that which is alive, a born again kind of life, to a different kind of life as well. A living hope. A living hope. This idea that it, it doesn't change, it continues on. It's not something once realized, it fades away. We're going to get into that. But he, he calls us, he, he says that we've been born again to a living hope. And he, he tells us why. What was the vehicle? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One writer says this. He says that Christianity is an Easter religion. An Easter religion. It's the idea that it's connected not just to his death, but to his resurrection, to that complete work. That Jesus didn't stay dead. He, he was resurrected. He came to life. And in the same way, he connects our living hope, being dead, being dead in our sins, that now he caused us to be born again to this living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so as the one we're connected to, Jesus, died and rose again, we too will have life on the basis of what he has done in his resurrection. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. And I, I think that some of you don't have any money today. Some of you don't have any health today. Some of you have future uh, that looks kind of bleak. Some of your relationships are strained. Some of your relationships are strained with people that aren't here. Some of your relationships are strained with people who are here. Um, and, and you look at this and you go, man, uh, this life is discouraging and I don't like it and my plan's not working out. That's okay. There's reason to praise God. Why? Because of what He has granted to you, the gift that He has given you. Your great salvation that he has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. With this, 
in verse, uh, it's all good, right? We're rich, right? He hasn't even started to unpack the riches yet. He hasn't even gotten there yet. Okay, verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. When you look at this, um, you all know what an inheritance is, right? Get excited about that, right? Not necessarily your loved ones passing away, but you getting stuff, right? Inheritance, it's something that's passed down to you. It's part of the legacy. It's what you get from being part of the family. Inheritance. Uh, This is what we get to be born again into God's family as according to His plan through the gift of His Son who rose from the dead. And He says, you receive an inheritance on that basis. And you're going, great, it just keeps getting better. And it does. As you look at this, He he describes this inheritance really three ways or five ways depending on how you slice it. He uses three words, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Imperishable. Uh, Your food perishes, right? Uh, If you want examples, we could probably get some from some of your refrigerators. Uh, You had well intentioned to eat that lettuce, but over time you ate other things because you didn't like lettuce. And over time, it gets gross, right? It it perishes. Interestingly enough, that you know that's just cheap temporary stuff. But your house perishes as well, doesn't it? Those of you who've lived in your house for a while, uh, there's a little bit of it's falling apart in various ways, right? And you're looking for the fix-it guy, right? I, I look for that guy all the time. I show up at my house that someone someone should fix this because it's falling apart. That's what happens over time, really to everything. Everything falls apart. Everything perishes. Everything is the idea of it uh, going bad, right? Uh, Kind of stepping into it. He uses the word imperishable. Um, The second word he uses is undefiled. It's the idea of something being ruined or stained. Uh, Pastor Brandon did this kind of funny thing this morning. Um, he was working on uh, printing some stuff. You'll see him. I, he, he didn't say it was okay. I shared this story. I just felt comfortable sharing it and throwing him under the bus. But um, he was trying to print something, and the, the toner thing wasn't working very well, so he opened it up, and he thought he could fix it. Big mistake. Um, and so it exploded on him. And so he's wearing a T-shirt, a uh, youth group T-shirt here today because his shirt's filthy. You know what? Um, that shirt may be done. You know what I mean? It's done. Uh, it's been stained. It's done. It, it's no good anymore. Um, reminds him of that fateful day on Sunday morning uh, where it all blew up on his shirt. I want to tell you... Uh, He's referring to our inheritance. He says it won't perish. It won't. It will not perish. It won't, it won't be like that food or your house that's falling apart. He says, but it will not stain either. It, it, it's interesting. You get some clothing 
or, or, or you get something that's special, a new car, and, and you always hate that first stain on the carpet or that first scratch or that, that little bit of wear or something. And it's so aggravating because once it was great, now it's not great anymore. So much so that you just want to push it away. And you're like, oh, it bothers me. He says, let me tell you about your inheritance. It's something that's different than everything else you look at. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. And then the last word, or the third of this group, he says, and unfading, unfading. The, the picture here is this. It's, it's, like, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. Because if you can imagine, uh, remember, remember when we had wildflowers here? It's been so long, and now it's just brown everywhere. And you remember like that two days or whatever it was, that it was just beautiful out there on the hills outside of Bear Valley Springs, and you just saw these beautiful colors and vibrant colors, and, and you said, boy, that's beautiful. And some of you said, you know, I should take a picture of that, and you waited too long, and they're gone. You know, nobody takes a picture of just a brown field, Right? Why? Because it faded. It faded. It was here. It was beautiful for an instant. And then it was gone. And so Peter describes in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he describes our inheritance as like this beautiful, vibrant, amazing to look at flower. Something that's beautiful for an instant. But it's not an instant. It's forever. This is different. There, there's no comparison to it. There's, it's not the idea. It's this beautiful picture of a flower that's there for an instant, but it's not an instant. It's forever. And this is what you get. This is the inheritance. And I, I want to tell you, for some of you here this morning, uh, you, you're saying to yourself, boy, that sounds pretty good. I want to ask you, if that's not what you're clinging to, what are you clinging to? What is this thing this, that's replacing a relationship with the Father through the Son? What is it? And why is it so great? And what are the future prospects of it? I want to tell you that uh, as God, as part of His plan, He was drawing people to Himself. I want to tell you that there's no better deal than to turn over the bits and pieces of your a broken life to the one who wants to make you part of his family and draw you into a relationship with inheritance with inheritance this inheritance um, is safe forever it's rock solid it's guarded if you look down at at the word of god uh, you see that that uh, this imperishable undefiled and unfading is kept in heaven for you who by God's power is being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This idea is that the salvation that you have is in heaven. It's not down here in the perishable areas. It's not down here in the places where things come and go. It's reserved for you in heaven because that's the place where you will spend and enjoy it. It's reserved and it's guarded. It's guarded. Uh, it's the idea that it is protected. It, it won't be left uh, for someone to snatch from you. 
I want to tell you that this is what he's pushing to, and he's saying this is the reason why we praise God for so great a salvation. It's interesting, as he's sharing the, some of the details of this, we realize also by the wording here that this salvation is ready to be revealed. It's, it really, you really don't even understand how great it is yet. That It's ready to be revealed, all the benefits of it at that last time. It's better than we even know today. This is why uh, we praise God. It, Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, he uh, referred to our relationship as the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It's this idea that as we look to what God has given us in his son Jesus, there, it's hard to express, it's hard to get out because it's hard to take in. And then words fail us as we describe how great it is that God has taken us, God has taken us in our mess and has brought us to himself and made us rich in him. Well, that's our great salvation. In verse six, uh, we look to our present reality, our present reality, what's happening today. Verse six, it says, in this you rejoice. Uh, I want to be a person who rejoices. But the reality is, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I want to be a person who's lighthearted and, and happy all the time. I, I want to be someone who doesn't have a care in the world. Unfortunately, I live in the real world. Unfortunately, there are things that bother me. Unfortunately, in this life, there are great heartaches. It's uh, sometimes tough preaching to you all. You know why? Because I know you. Not because I know you, but because I know your heartaches. Some of you have shared them with me. And, and I know they're not just you broke a nail. I know they're big things. I know they're real. You're not making them up. And so as you share your burdens, I realize that, that I want to bring comfort to you. I, I want to say things like, oh, it's going to get better tomorrow. It may not. It may not. And so we struggle in this life to remain joyful. Uh, but I want to tell you that in this passage right here, he says this, in this you rejoice. Well, what's the this? The this is what we already talked about, our great salvation. In, in that, you greatly rejoice. That is the source or the place where you can be joyful. In this, you rejoice. And then he says this, though now, and this is reality, right? Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Um, kind of hard to sort that out sometimes. Uh, we talked about the plan that we had, and sometimes those things don't work out. We know about that. It, it says, 
if necessary, well, that's, why is it necessary that I go through hard times? I want to tell you, I don't know. I don't know why. I just know that as somehow part of God's plan, His grand plan, but also His plan for you, is that sometimes we go through hard times. And He says various trials. What are those going to look like? I don't know. They're going to look like all kinds of things. For some, it's going to be the heartache of a son or daughter. That you want what's best for them and they choose something that's not. For some, it's going to be health problems that you deal with, not just for a week or a month, but for years. For others of you, it's the idea of loneliness that you, you feel like you desire relationship and you don't have it. For others of you, it might be the relationship that you do have. You want to trade it out. You, you, you want to say, I, I want something different. I want to tell you that there is a place to rejoice, but it, it, it won't necessarily be those trials that bring you the joy. The present reality might be difficult for you. It says in verse 6 that you have been grieved by various trials. And I just want to say to you that your trials might, this day might be grievous present trials. That, that, That might be this day for you. This, it might be this month for you. It might be this year. This decade. Hopefully it won't go longer than that. We, we look at that and we go, these trials, I just, I, I just hate the things that are going on in my life. And I want to tell you this. You don't rejoice because the trials are great. You rejoice because you have a great salvation. In this present reality, we rejoice not because uh, everything we've gotten in life is what we wanted, but rather we rejoice because our faith is in Him. He says this about these trials in verse 7. He says, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found as a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think that um, one thing I want to point out to these trials and even if they go on your whole life, some of, some of our trials go on our whole life. There's things that, that God has placed on us. and they might, He says, of these trials that might grieve you, they're just a little while. They're just a little while. And it's not because uh, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 80 years. It's not because that is a short while. It's because it's a short while compared to the blessing and compared to the riches that we have in Him for eternity. For eternity. As we look at this this morning, He says that in this you will rejoice, not because of your trials, not because of what's going on, but in the plan of God and the gift of His Son. This is why we rejoice. That your trials, even your trials, have a purpose because of your relationship with God. Uh, trials without relationship with God, guess what? They're just 
more problems down here on this earth. They're not, they're not helpful. But as a believer, they're helpful. They refine us. They cause uh, our faith to grow, uh, and, and they result in this praise and glory and honor to Jesus uh, in a last time. Which brings us to our present and future hope, verse 8. He says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. That's faith, right? That's faith. When you can't touch Jesus right now physically. You can't uh, see him visibly. That's faith. You, you put your faith in the message of the gospel. You understand the riches that are found. You place your faith in your love. You believe in him now. And as we do this, uh, I want to tell you, um, you believe in him, and it says this, and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. He connects our faith, our faith, to where joy is found. And I want to tell you, if your joy uh, is not connected to your faith in Jesus, Whatever joy you can find is temporary. It's temporary. It's like the, uh, the wildflowers. Here today, it, it, unfortunately, it might be like that too. Week out of the year. Uh, the rest of the time is grievous to me. And I want to tell you, we don't ride on the roller coaster. God, God doesn't say, uh, wake up in the morning, check your circumstances, and decide if you're going to be joyful that day. Base your joy on your circumstances. He says this. Base your joy on what I have given you in my plan and my son. Base your joy upon that. May that be the place where you build your life and your faith in him. Verse 9, he uh, ties up this section uh, by saying this, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That there's a reason for our faith. I, I want you to know this. There's great benefit today for you to trust in Jesus. But it's not just for this life. You're going through hard times right now, and I, I've heard over and over again, and it's true, what would we do without the Lord in the midst of these problems? But I want you to know this, that it's not just to get through the day that God has extended His hand in relationship to you. That He has a goal for our relationship with Him. It's not just to get through this life. We need Him. It's not just for that but that we would have this end goal, this obtaining, and what is it? The salvation, our eternal salvation of our souls. That we would be with him forever. That we would gain this inheritance that's not on the basis of our works, but it's on the basis of what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. That we would obtain that. And this is the reason to rejoice. Three things this, this morning. I want to tie up three conclusions for us. I want to tell you this. First conclusion is this. In this life, you can be joyful. 
you can be joyful. In this life, I want to say today, today, and every day, you can be joyful. But not necessarily thinking about this life. Okay? If you check the news, uh, if you check your blood pressure, if you ask yourself the... Don't ever do this in bed, by the way, okay? You wake up in the morning and you're laying there like this. How do I feel today? Never ask that question. Get out of bed, okay? Get moving before you ask yourself how you're feeling that day. Because if you lay there, uh, you know, oh, my big toe feels kind of sore today. Maybe I'm getting sick. Oh, and the toe's connected to the rest of the body. You know that song? And I, oh, yeah, my life is horrible. Oh, yeah. It'll quickly turn to that. And it might be real. It might be real. You can be joyful, but not necessarily thinking about the circumstances of this life. Your joy will be found in what God has granted you in his salvation. Which brings us to number two, second conclusion. Focus on the work of Christ and what it means to your present and your future. Focus on the work of Christ, what he's done for you, what he has done, and then he, what he has done for you. And, and put that together and ask the question, what does that mean for me today? And what does that mean for my fears and my thoughts in the future. Focus on the work of Christ. And the third thing, third conclusion, is we can make it. We can make it. For some of us, I know that for you, some of you this morning, you're not sure you can make it. You're not sure. You've been dragging around these burdens and cares for a long time. They don't seem to be getting better. And you're going, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it. I want to tell you, you can make it. And you say, well, how are you so confident? The work of Christ. And he said, it's just a little while longer. It's just a little while longer. I hope this is encouraging to you. As we uh, gather today, I want to tell you that I, I never want to minimize the pains that you're going through. We want to pray with you. We want to care for you. We want to counsel you. We're here for you. This is what a family does. We're here for one another. And we will walk with you through the burdens of life. But I want to tell you that it won't just be us. It'll be you, us together, focusing on what Christ has given us. Focusing on the inheritance that we receive through the salvation through his plan and the gift of his son. So he deserves all the praise. Uh, Please join with me in prayer. Father God, we do thank you uh, for uh, all that you've given us in your son. And God, it's hard to take in. It's hard to sort out. It's hard to understand all the riches that you've granted us by your mercy. God, I ask this morning that uh, you would do your work in the hearts of people, that you'd encourage them. Uh, that they can make it, not because they're strong enough or because their circumstances will change, but because of what you've given them. God, if there's anyone here who has not trusted in you, but is still trusting in themselves and what the future would hold in circumstances, God, I pray that you would do your work in their life now and draw them to yourself. 
God, we thank you for this time this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.